How many of you guys actually think you're at the first service, but you just didn't set your clock correct? <laughs> well, last night I got to see a pretty amazing thing, as, or as my daughter thought it was amazing, I didn't think it was very amazing, as I actually got to see the clock go from 1.59 to 3 o'clock. It was one of those nights you're laying in bed, and, and you just see the clock change, and you're just watching it, and I'm telling myself to go to sleep, but I was thinking about, you know, my lesson today, are all my teachers going to be here? How's, uh, I'm, what am I going to do on spring break? Do I need another Twinkie? I was trying to think of all those things, and I just could not go to sleep. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Zach Archer. I'm the kids pastor here. In the first service, today's lesson's on identity, who you are, and in the first service, I didn't identify myself, and so I kind of, people walked out, and they're like, ah, he didn't look like Matt, but maybe it was. I don't know. So, but I'm Zach. I'm the kids pastor here. Um, I enjoy kids, but every now and then I like to, I, I, I don't say I graduate up to adults. I every now and then leave where the good work's going and come in here amongst, amongst you guys. No. But uh, um, just imagine today you walk in into church and, you, and, and there's a table set up with some s- stickers on the table that say, Hello, I am. All right, and I tell you guys to put the sticker on and to write who you are on that sticker, and, and you've got to go around and meet everybody and introduce yourself. Um, here's what would happen. You, you extroverts would be like, greatest Sunday ever. You, you'd be like, oh, man, it's just finally my, everything in, in me got to do everything I wanted. Oh, what a great, great day. And you introverts would have saw the sign and would have turned around and walked home, would have went home and you would have said, that's spring break anyway, so I need a break from church. I mean, that's the way it would be. But if you were going to write that, but I don't want you to think about what you would write like, hello, I am, and your name. Hello, I am, and what you would put there. What would you put there? What is a word that you would put there to describe? What is your identity? Who are you? As the who wrote in that great, great song. It's a great song because what shows it off of? Yeah, which one? CSI Berry Hill? You know, they've probably thought of it that the... The producers there at CBS have probably been like, we need to get one in that Tulsa area, you know? All right, but, but they don't. Uh, it's a great show. Gil Grissom, best, best actor and best police officer in the history of police officers. What a show. But uh, they tell us who we are. Who are you? Um, identity was the word of the year for 2015, according to at dictionary.com. It's a word that they changed. They, they brought some new things in, and there's, there's some pretty good reasons why. All right, if you remember the year 2015, which some of you might want to forget it, but if you are remembering it, there was a lot of different stories about identity. If you think of a lady named Rachel Dolezal, if, if you guys are Dol, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but she was the president of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington, her chapter of the NAACP. But both of her parents are white, yet she identifies herself as black, all right? And so that caused some controversy, and she had to leave the position, and everything happened because she identified herself. Who did she think she was? She didn't see herself as white. She saw herself as black. And then, and then there was also the story of Bruce Jenner. Enough said. We can move on. We can move on from that. And then the city of, and I've practiced this, 
all week because I do not say the H and the U sound together. I normally just skip the H and go directly to the U. I really like the U, and I think it's kind of a letter that gets looked beyond, so I put a lot of emphasis in it in words. So I've worked on this. The city of Houston, there we go, uh, they, they, <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's pretty amazing, and um, they, they, uh, did a vote where they would see if kids that identify themselves with another gender, what bathroom they need to go to, if we need to make bathrooms where everybody can go. So identity was a big deal. And then if you guys remember, there was a court clerk in Kentucky that identified herself as a Christian. And she decided, and she, could she, because she identifies herself as a Christian, stand up and not sign licenses of those trying to get same-sex marriage. So identity was a big issue in 2015. And if you look at those stories, I would say we, in America, in our culture today, we have an identity crisis. Who are we? Who are we? And, And our identity is something we begin to search for at a young age. You know, when you're a little kid, you begin to search for your identity. It normally comes in, like, the words of your parents. You know, you're such a good... You're such a good kid. You're, you're doing so great. You're, you're awesome. And then, then maybe you get a little bit older and it comes in, in the trophies that you earn from the sports you go. You know, you go to the tournament, you get the trophy. And if you guys want to know my stance on trophy, I believe in the old school style. If you win, get a trophy. If you don't, don't give them a trophy. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. But my kids do have about three participation trophies up on their shelf. And I tell them they were champions. So, so it changes when it's your kids. But, but our identity is so many things make us who we are. Events happen in our lives. Like, like my, my son, who's seven year old, is seven year old now. He, he, year old, seven years old. And he, he has this insane fear of dogs. Incredible. And here's, here's where it came from, okay? He was like three years old. It was Halloween. And he was just supposed to have this great night trick-or-treating. But he had the most traumatizing night of his entire life, all right? He ran ahead, which is, if you know Owen, he's normally slow and behind us, but he ran ahead because he's going to get candy, and he knocks on this door across the street in Oklahoma City, and he's like, trick-or-treat, and this little, probably teacup poodle (laughs) comes up to the door and is just barking at him. But we see teacup poodle, he sees Mufasa, all right, and so, and so his identity is now I could go to my son and I could say, Owen is afraid of dogs. That's who he is. He's petrified of dogs because of events that happen. All right, Our, we, and, and as you get older, your, your identity, you get into the middle school and high school age and your identity becomes in what kind of clothes you're wearing and if you're, if you're driving a car or if you can drive or if you're who you're hanging out with. And you, we search for our identity all over the place. And events cause that, successes. Uh, we, you might like, hello, I am, and you might put what you do. That might be your identity. If I'd say put what you are, you might be, hello, I am, a dad. Hello, I am mom. Hello, I am a teacher. I mean, you might put that, that might be your identity, or your identity might come from what others have said about you, or what the mirror has said about you. You might see those things, or, or your identity might come from your feelings. I am depressed. 
So if somebody asks you who you are, I am depressed, I am sad, I am angry. That might be who you identify yourself as. Or you might identify yourself in your successes. I am, and you look at me. You got the trophies. You make sure people see the trophies. You know those. That's who you are. Or, or more likely, you might identify yourself with a challenge you've had in life or your failures. That's why you're, I am divorced. I am an alcoholic. I am, and you can come up with all these things that, that you identify yourself as. Uh, this is the one I struggle with because, because I... I worked in a church for eight years, straight out of a college. That's how I got into kids' ministry. And at, it, probably a little bit of pride in, in me, but as I worked there, I, I felt like I could go and do something really big. That's what, in my, in, in, in my heart, that was what was going to happen. And so, I had, and so I, they finally asked me if I want to start go plant a church in Piedmont, Oklahoma. And so I'm like, yeah, I want to plant a church. I, I've I've been kid pastor for eight years. I know what to do and how to plant a church. And so for three years, I planted a church. It, it grew a little bit, but it just didn't grow to where I want. And I just decided that's not where I was. So I shut down a church. And I, I could have looked at that and say, I am a failure. I mean, I was going to do something big. We can take those things. We can look at our abilities, our behaviors, ways we act, our DNA, how we were born. And we can say, that is who I am. And here's what happens. We often become slaves to these labels. We, that's who I am, so that's what I do. That's who I am. You know, it's like that kid, you know, that's told, well, my, it, it, maybe you're this parent, and I apologize, but I, a, lot of, a lot of parents will come in and be like, well, my kid's just going to, he's going to be all over the place, and he's going to cause trouble, and he's going to do all those things. I can guarantee you they're going to be all over the place, cause trouble, because they're telling you that, and the kid is probably told that. And all those things, they get told, your, your kid's a, your, this kid's good, they act good, this kid's troublemaker. If you hear that in kids, if they be told they're troublemaker, guess what they do? They make trouble because we identify ourselves with what people say and how we are, and we can become a slave to these labels. And, and so we, we become a slave and we start living our life out of this false identity that that is who I am. But let me tell you something about those labels. Those labels, those personality tests, those things like that, they might explain who you are, but they do not define you. It's not who you are. Um, and here's what I... I would say, I started out saying our culture's in crisis with our identity. And here's why our culture is in crisis with our identity. Because our churches and the people in church are in crisis with their identity. They're living off those labels. They're, I, they're, they have those labels and hello, I am, and they've made those their idols. And, and, and they haven't lived out what is most true about them. David Lomas, a pastor from the San Francisco area, wrote a book, and here's how he says your identity is. Identity is what is most true about you. All those things I said might be true about you, but your identity, who you are, is what is most true about you. And those things, you yes, you might be divorced, not most true. You might have a sin problem, not most true. You might... Be a success, not most true. 
And today, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul looks at these Christians in Ephesus, and he writes them this letter, and he's going to tell them, here is what is most true about you. Because let me tell you, our behavior will begin to change when our identity changes. When we know who we are, we will begin to do what is right. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he writes this this book, there's six chapters in the book of Ephesus. It, this, book was the, this book was written some 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it was written about 30 years. Seven to eight years before the writing of this book, the Apostle Paul went to Ephesus, this big, big city of the time, and he started this church. And he spent two years there starting the church, planning the church. And when he left, they were left as a church. But as he began to hear the stories and all these things began to come back to him, he was hearing that they weren't living out the way that's right, and he was going to send them a message to remind them. But he didn't do what we often do at church. He didn't immediately go to them and say, here's what you don't need to do. Don't do this. Stop sinning. Don't go there. He didn't do that. He did something that we often skip in the church area and something I skip in my own personal life because I always go to, I've got to fix this problem myself. But Paul knew that their behavior would change if their identity changed. And so he spends these first three chapters telling them who they are. And then once they remember who they are, then they will begin to be able to live it out. In those last great chapters of this Bible, they will be able to be the husbands and wives they are meant to be. They will be able to put on the whole armor of God. They will be able to do all those things once they realize who they are. And he gives two words in this deal that can go at the end of your hello, I am. And if you put these in your heart, you bury these into your life, and you begin to live out of this, your life will be changed. You will start doing different things. And your identity will stop being out of those false identity. And your identity will start being, and here's the two words, in Christ. In Christ. These two words change everything. Paul is kind of the person that really started writing this phrase. He's the one that started bringing it up. But the phrase is used some 140 times in the New Testament, 35 times directly dealing with our identity, who we are. And here's what Paul, he's, he's, he's getting down to these people and he's like, I know you guys aren't living the way you are. You've gone back to your false idols. You've gone back to living the way you're not supposed to. And he doesn't go to them, put them in the corner and tell them they're not doing very good. He goes to them and he reminds them in this letter and he says, here is who you are. And if you will live out of who you are, you will change. It's your only response. When you know who you are, your only response to life is to live a life that's better behaved because your only thing to do is to bring glory and honor to Christ. So he's saying, here is what is most true about you. You are in Christ. In Christ. And what's amazing as you listen to these words that he writes in the Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is in a jail cell as he pens these letters. If anybody could write, man, you guys better start doing better. You guys have it good. I'm the one being, everything's going bad for me. Listen to these words he writes to these people. 
And these things, when you put these and make these things your identity, when you let them pour into your life and they overcome you, you begin to spill out a totally different life. And here's the first thing it is. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. So the first thing about your identity is in Christ, you are faithful. You might be like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. I'm more that Romans 7, Paul, that I do what I don't want to do. I'm that guy. But here's what it is. When you begin to live out of in Christ, you are faithful. No, you might not be here, but in Christ, you are faithful. His faithfulness, the guy that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the guy that never messes up, his faithfulness becomes in you. That's your identity is you are now faithful. And in Christ, you will begin to do what you're supposed to do and you will do what you say to do because you're living out of that identity. In Christ, you are faithful. Verse 3. Praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And here's those words again. In Christ. In Christ, you are blessed. Blessed. You might say, no, look at my life. This week, somebody told me I'm losing my job. Oh, if you'd see, we don't even have enough money to pay our bills. I just, I'm not very blessed. But if that's your identity from false identity, Paul looks at you from a prison cell and says, nope, when you are in Christ, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Sometimes that blessing's financial. Sometimes that blessing's physical. All the time that blessing's spiritual. You are blessed. You are blessed. And if you live your life and your identity becomes I, in, in Christ, I am blessed. And you begin to look at that. That's how you're able to sit in a jail cell and write these letters to people. Not blame God, praise God. That's how one day you are in the jail cell tied shackles to a guy and you begin to sing praises and hymns about how awesome your God is. And because you're so powerful and so praising, the walls of the jail cell fall down. Why? Because he knew he was blessed. His situation didn't say he was blessed, but in Christ, he was blessed. And he was able to sing. And the walls fell down and lives were changed. Why? Because in Christ... Not in this world, not in America, not in his passions. In Christ, that's who he is. And it began to pour out of him. Verse 4, in Christ we are chosen. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Have you guys ever been putting those lines, especially as a kid, and they start picking? They start picking? I don't know if you've been at the, you might always be at the good end of it where it's like, here, you're captain, all-time captain, all-time quarterback. I know I'd surprise you, but I wasn't that guy, all right? Might surprise you. And I told a different story in the first service, but I'll bring a little illustration about my friend Jay in this one as well. So me and, me and Jay went to school together, and we, we went from kindergarten all the way, actually preschool, all the way through. And so... We were at school, and we were in the same grade. So I think, when did we get to start playing school ball? Sixth grade? Sixth grade, all right. So first day, basketball practice, me and Jay, I mean, 
Oh, man, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to change the world. They're going to put our jerseys up in the rafters. We're there at practice. We're like, boom, we got this. And I can remember Coach O'Lanson. I think he's now the superintendent at Glenpool. He, he, he walks in and he starts picking. All right, and we don't know what he's picking for. He hasn't told us. There's like 25 of us, and he's like picking. Oh, that guy's really tall. You're down at that end. That guy's really tall. You're down at that end. That guy looks like, oh, you, you can shoot it. You're, you're down at that end. And then and so he picked about 10 guys. And they went down to that end. And he kind of walked down to that end. And then me and Jay were standing there like, I wonder if we're next. And he's like, oh, you guys just get the ball and shoot around. It's like, Dad, you guys just do what you want to do. We don't really care. I'm going to go practice with the guys that are any good. I mean, that, that, it's not good being chosen. Not being chosen. It's a sad day. It, it doesn't make you excited. It's not a good thing. But let me tell you something. On those days that you're not chosen, on those days that you feel lonely, on those days that you feel you're not good enough, let me tell you something. Before creation, God saw you in a lineup. And he said, I don't care your faults. I don't care your failures. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you've listened to. I don't care anything about that. I choose you. In Christ, you are chosen. You aren't left out. He chooses you. And our only response to that should be rejoicing. Hey, I got chosen. It's me. I got chosen. In Christ. So you might think, I'm not good enough. In Christ, he chose you. You. Pulled you out of the line and said, you're mine. In Christ. In Christ, same verse, it says we are blameless in his sight now and holy. Now, I'm not sure if you're anything like me, but I bet you, you don't walk around feeling blameless. Like, man, I'm just, I am just so good. I just always do right. I mean, this is my biggest deal. I, I, my dad was a preacher, started a church. I've, I'm kind of heavy law, low grace is kind of the way I go. When I, when, 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 when I mess up, and this isn't on, I, I forgive people, it's just to myself. I, if I do something bad, it's like, oh man, I would have struck me down. I would have gave me leprosy. I don't know. I should have, I deserved all that. That's just me. And so I live this life where I'm walking around in this constant state of guilt. Like I messed up. I'm not worthy. How, what am I? And, but, but Paul writes to these people and he's like, if, if you study Ephesians, study what they did at the temple of Diana. Study it. And he looks at them. He goes, you guys are blameless. Because something happened on the cross. All your guilt, all your sin, all your blame, it left you. It came upon Jesus. And all his perfection and all his holiness, it left him and became you. In Christ, you are blameless and holy. So when you say those words that you don't mean to say, when you do that thing you're not wanting to do, when you have those thoughts you don't want to have, when you yell at your kid for not... You're blameless. You are blameless. In Christ, verse 7, we are forgiven. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Christ traded place with us, and we are forgiven. When you make him Lord of your life, 
when you step into that life, you are forgiven of your sins you've committed, of the sins you will commit. You are forgiven. Don't forget that in Christ. In Christ, verse 9, we can know the will of God, it says. It says in verse 9, it says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will. And oftentimes his will seems like a mystery. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to go to that job? Am I supposed to go to this job? And what am I supposed to do? But oftentimes that's the wrong question. Here's, here's what it means by the will of God. In this season, rich, in this season, poor, in this season where I don't know what to do, here's, here's God's will always for you, to live in the identity that you are in Christ. That might not be the answer you're looking for, but that's the will of God to live every day in Christ. Then you'll know what to do. You'll know those things. And that is the mystery of the will of God. You might be like, oh, I've been chasing that thing. I want to know what to do. Should I marry her? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I do that? Just here's what you need to do to live in the mystery of the will of God. It's to live every day in Christ. Verse, verse 12, it's one of my favorites. It says this, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ. In Christ, you have hope. We have a hopeless world. We live in a world that's not hopeless. Maybe this week you were told things. Maybe you, you have a hopeless report from the doctor or you have a hopeless report from your job and you have all this. But let me tell you, here's what you have hope in. Don't have hope in your wife. Don't have hope in your kids. Don't put hope in your job. Here's where you put your hope, in Christ. And when you put your hope in Christ and your identity is in that, all that stuff can be taken out, but you are okay because you know you are in Christ. The creator, the sustainer, the savior of this world is holding you in his hands. And even though the world might seem hopeless, even though your report might seem hopeless, even though your health might seem hopeless, your identity in Christ says you have hope. Hope. And some of you guys just need to hear that today. My situation's hopeless. They've given up. I don't, no, no, nobody's here. They're quitting on me. Nothing's any good's gonna happen from this. And the situation doesn't go away. But in Christ, you have hope. And you can go on. And the last thing, he teaches us in these first verses. This is just about eight of them. He gives 35 of them throughout the Bible. It's in verse 14. It says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our... Oh, actually, there's two more. I skipped one. So apologize a little quick to the trigger right there. And sorry, that's why they don't give me a gun because I'm quick to the trigger. So um, in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. The same power that conquered the grave is in you. Same thing. That's all that needs to be said about the Holy Spirit. The same power that conquered the grave is in you. So who are you in Christ? Wow. And then lastly, for real, in Christ, we have an inheritance. 
in Christ who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And let me tell you about his inheritance. You might be like, I am not receiving any of that right now. You only receive a little bit of that inheritance here. But you receive it all at the end. And here's, here's, here, here's this inheritance. Physically, you will get the inheritance of being healed. Emotionally, this world might be kicking you and you might be down, but the inheritance of Christ is joy. You will have unending, unexplainable joy for all of your days. No more tears, no more crying, only praise. That's the inheritance. And in Christ, our inheritance is we are made right spiritually. We were foreigners, we were away from God, and God makes us right, and we get to live with Him again. We get to walk with Him, we get to sing to Him, we get to bring praises to Him in Christ. And let me tell you, those two words are the truest thing about you. Not those labels you have given yourself. The label that God speaks into your life. He says, here is who you are. You are in Christ. And when you begin to live that out, you're able to do the things of the Bible. Moses, the labels of this world said he was a murderer. He had messed up. He was, had a weakness. He couldn't speak. In Christ, he led the exodus. Gideon, he was born of the wrong family. He had terrible DNA. He was hiding. He was fearful. He didn't know what to do. In Christ, he took 300 men and led a great battle. David, his dad didn't bring him to the party. His brothers thought he was a joke. King Saul thought he was really. And and Goliath, his giant, stood in his way and said, who sends this dog? But here's what he knew. I'm not David. I'm in Christ. And giants went down. And Paul was a hater a murderer, and in Christ, he brought the church to the world. See, those labels of the world are, they're labels, and they might, they might explain who you are, but they don't define you. And when in Christ defines you, here's what happens. You are able to stand when everybody else falls. You can have a peace in the middle of the worst storm in your life. You can sing in the hospital next to somebody that has just died. And you can sing praises to God and you can bring him all the glory. Why? Yeah, it's a sad day. But you know something. They're in Christ. They're receiving their inheritance. They're walking the streets of gold. And that's why you can stand there and you can say, Well, God is so good as you cry and do it. Why? Because it's in Christ. And if you will begin to live out of what is most true about you, you can handle job loss. You can handle death. You can handle sickness. You can handle pain. You can handle abandonment, you can handle it all because you are in Christ. And for any of you here today that aren't, that haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I am sorry, and I hope one day you do. Because your identity changes when you are in Christ.
So as we close, we're going to sing this song, Good, Good Father, and it talks about it's who you are and it's who I am. And when you begin to live out of who I am, things begin to change and, and your identity changes. But here is what I want you guys to know. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to read you some more verses that just tell you who you are. Listen to these and let them soak in and daily go to yourself and remind yourself that I am in Christ. In Christ, there is no condemnation for us. In Christ, we are a new creation. In Christ, we become God's children. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, we've been given the incomparable riches of God's grace. In Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In Christ, all our needs are met according to his glorious riches. In Christ, all things hold together. In Christ, we will rise from the dead. In Christ, we are God's masterpieces. In Christ, we can do all things. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. And in Christ, there is neither death or life or angels or demons or the present or the future or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Hello, I am in Christ. God, thank you that you don't see me as who I see myself, but you see me as you see me. And one day on the cross, you replaced all my shame and all my guilt with all your goodness. And when I was six years old, I knelt down and began to live my life in Christ. Help me to remember that. Help everybody to remember that daily, that they are in Christ. Help us to live out of that power so our identity begins to change and the church can begin to change the culture because we know who we are. We are in Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.